previously on my best friend's journal. We cut out nine solid days of boring shit. They sucked, so <laughs> we spared you some dental hygiene and Starbucks trips. You did give me permission at the beginning of this project to skip the boring shit. My complicity. Cam heard that and texted me to say, I meant complicity, you asshat. We had a lot of public sex. We didn't even put a blanket down. We just fucked in a field in the middle of the night. Oh, that's kind of hot. That is hot. It was actually beautiful Where? because it was... Oh. Um... <laughs> <laughs> We're like, that's fucking hot. She's like, it was really special. You can't just sit by and roll your eyes at your old racist grandma. You have said to me in the past that any relationship with your family is important to you. Yeah, I, I think that it's a really personal decision, honestly. And like, uh, you know, Dan Savage, he says, the only power that you have is your presence in their life. It is up to you to cut them off completely with the idea that they will realize that they have to come around. If they don't come around, then they are a, a poison that you don't necessarily need in your life. And I disagree um, with that. Yeah. Sign up to adopt a state. Basically, it's how to organize for idiots or for dummies. What's that book called? For idiots. <laughs> it's a <laughs> how to be an organizer for dummies slash idiots. Five years ago, he got a book to hold my private thoughts. And now we're gonna take a peek, grab a drink, or smoke some pot. Your private thoughts read aloud. How does that make you feel? I don't remember what I wrote. This shit might get too real. Nothing here is sacred. I'm haunted by my past. It's called my best friend's journal. Let's start this damn podcast. Let's sing this name a little longer first. It's someone's favorite podcast. Yes, and the world's greatest Hi, Cam. Hello, Michael. How are you? You sound like a news anchor who just can't turn it off. And I'm having a sandwich for lunch. <laughs> and back to you. How you doing, Mikey? I am. I am good. I'm busy and uh, excited and feeling motivated. I was saying to you yesterday that I finally feel like a little bit caught up on the many things on my to-do list. And that is inspiring to put some more things in the list. Beautiful. It's been a big week. And what have you been doing this week to dismantle white supremacy? <laughs> Funny you should ask. <laughs> Um, I phone banked yesterday for two hours and Hey, 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 that's impressive. That oh, sounds it's really not. I did it from sweatpants in my room and it took a minimal amount of effort. Well, that sounds honestly like hard kind of miserable work, but really important work. Uh, it was to be honest, a little more challenging than I expected, but not so challenging that people should be discouraged from doing it. Okay. I called 89 people jesus i think it's an auto caller so like you get in the site this is all from by the way uh, adopt a state they've organized this for me they send me all the info and all i have to do is, is show up and and hit yes or whatever uh -huh. so i was calling people in pennsylvania trying to ask them to a support holding donald trump accountable and b volunteer any time they have to perhaps call from their own home or just be open to volunteer opportunities in the next five months Almost everyone I called was very old and let me know exactly their age when I called. I'd be like, hi, I'm Michael. And they'd be like, I am 89 years old and I don't take telemarketers. Cross me off your list. It's amazing how much like entitlement the age uh, seems to 
allow people to feel. Is it because only old people have landlines? Or are you like calling people that are like longtime registered voters? Who are the people on the list? Do you know? I honestly have no idea. Maybe the landline situation because they were all old, but that's like all they had in common. It was otherwise a pretty mixed bag. I had a good amount of like full hardcore Trumpies. And I just like don't know how to respond to that. And I was like, okay, have a good day. <laughs> like, what do I say? Fuck uh-huh. you and fuck your children. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I can yep. imagine being fired fired from my volunteer position. It seems right up uh, right up my alley. Um, <laughs> it's a real Alana Wexler move view right there. That's what I was thinking. Although she wasn't fired, yeah. she quit when she realized she was not getting paid for volunteering for Hillary's <laughs> campaign. I'm calling on behalf of Miss Hillary Rodham Clinton. Sorry, no thanks. I don't work. From a landline. I have a real job now. It's beautiful, actually, when when your work and your passion line up. You know, I'm making money, but it's not about the money. You know, just to be clear, this is not a paid job. You're a volunteer. Okay. I just watched that episode. Anywho, um, Zilbies. The opposite was true as well. There was one man who was 89 and was like, listen, I have been in my local government for many years, I was a judge here. I'm a strong Democrat. I'm writing letters. I'm calling friends. And he's 89 years old. And I was like, power to you, man. I will not ask any more of you. Thank you for your support and let him go. So like that was inspiring too. Works both ways. Fabulous. And did any, did it work at all? Like, did you have meaningful, like productive conversations with any of these 89 people? Um, you use the term 89 a lot. So they're all 89 <laughs> years old and you called 89 people. That's true. I definitely called 89 people and at least two people told me they were 89 and someone else told me she was 79. So that 89 number is just kind of sticking. Fair enough. I honestly, I only got seven people out of 89 to say they could volunteer their time. Um, and that's a stretch. Some of them were like, maybe. And I was like, that's a yes. So I marked them down as a yes. Um, <laughs> but it also gave me a good perspective on why we are fighting in these swing states. There are a lot of people who are shockingly unappalled by Donald Trump. Shockingly unappalled is how I feel about anyone who looks at the presidency right now and doesn't think that that office is completely debased and this uh, country is an embarrassing place to live. That is perfect language for <laughs> for how I feel about that. Like, I am shocked at your unappalledness. <laughs> <laughs> shocked at unappalledness. Shocked at unappalledness. <laughs> Straight up, now tell me, are you going to be unappalled forever? Oh, oh, oh. That was me doing uh, Paula Abdul with a... I can cut it. It's okay. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I do enjoy just a blank stare sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I, I can give you the option just to see how far you're going to spin. <laughs> Uh, well, I am proud of you and your hard work. Uh, that is that uh, that is putting your I don't even want to say putting your money where your mouth is, putting your time where your mouth is. Yeah, uh, it wasn't because, that hard to be honest. Uh, I don't want to. I know, but you're you're out there doing what you said you're going to do, um, and uh, you know that is that's worth so much more than uh, just getting the information, not doing anything with it. So I'm proud. Well, I don't often make you proud, so I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> Kim, I have an important question for you. Uh, what's that? What are you doing to dismantle white supremacy <laughs> and getting gang banged by what you call a diverse oh group of people my. does not count? <laughs> Fuck you, first of all. And I think that it does count if I <laughs> serve or if I offer myself up as a sub bottom for uh, diverse orgies. Huh. Um, I'm going to leave that for the listener no. to decide if that's true. <laughs> oh, wow. Way to bring it back to our brand. Um, Hey, listen. Other than uh, donations that we were talking about last week, the um, <laughs> I I start I took a baby step this week and having awkward conversations. It's a little baby, <laughs> my tiny body. <laughs> um, 
when I called my 87 year old grandmother on her birthday, um, and had to try to gently correct her. Uh, this is the grandma I've talked about before who is, uh, who grew up in Kentucky and the segregated South and still has some really problematic, uh, ways about her. Um, and problematic feels so light nowadays. It feels like such an, uh, feels so gentle for racists. Um, yeah, you know what? It is probably a little bit light of a sentence. She has some racism, some unexamined racism that tends to rear its ugly head when you least expect it. I guess I was naive in thinking that, uh, it wouldn't come up this week when I called her for her, you know, yearly birthday call. We're not close. Uh, we know that we don't agree on pretty much anything, but, uh, you know, we keep the conversation light usually, uh, which is something that I am not willing to do anymore. Um, because that is, complicity oh Um, well done uh, (laughs) well done did you want did you want to add an s in there are you happy with it as as the rest of the english-speaking world has decided it is suck my cock stop it (laughs) so um your grandma uh uh-huh she's been very good uh about staying inside due to uh 19 she's been very good about uh social distancing and uh she i think she kind of is using it as an excuse not to really leave the house because in her old age she's turning into a bit of a hermit um i was asking her how she was getting on in this crazy world because uh, she finally got to see some people on her birthday uh some family came over to the house for the first time in months and uh she was like well you know they're starting to things are starting to open up again and uh the world was uh, i thought we were going to get closer back to normal and then everything happened with the blacks oh, uh, wow. and uh she went on to say like make a comment about how uh civil rights happened years ago and how she lived through that and that's over and how these people feel like they're somehow oppressed and i had to <laughs> kind of take it back to zero um, how do you even, and yeah take it back to zero is right like how, uh, how do you start that conversation when there seems to be no understanding of the problem i did not do a good job uh i will say i i had a conversation and it, it nothing happened no there were no major change was made and that's uh that's how sometimes these conversations go but i had to uh i had to do my best in that moment when i was kind of caught off guard and i wasn't necessarily prepared um and i realized this kind of it reminds me of what we were talking about last week when we were talking about how this whole situation is going to be a little bit messy. This whole situation as far as like uh, white people finally coming around and really looking at this problem dead on, full in the face, and trying to figure out how to dismantle these systems uh, and dismantle our own internalized racism, um, things that we are not very comfortable in facing. And so uh, anyway, it was all this to say it was an imperfect conversation I had to say. I think that what we're figuring out right now through this movement is that it's not all over um, and that a lot of people are no longer willing to sit by and be silent about it as they watch people die. And I, I don't know that I was even that eloquent, which, you know, there's so much more to say there. But of course, that was enough to she started backpedaling because she she could tell that the, the piece had been upset and we don't rock the fucking boat. <laughs> so it was a it was a bit of an uncomfortable situation we had a little bit of back and forth and then it was like uh well it was great to hear your voice bye um kind of thing so it's important to have those conversations i don't know that it did a lick of good other than to solidify the fact that she has a liberal grandson that and liberal by the way is one of the worst curse words you can use in my family so uh (laughs) (laughs) she probably just rolled her eyes and put down the phone and turned back on fox news oh god well i'm glad you had that conversation even if it didn't feel fruitful it's gonna take so many conversations to get through to a lot of people, especially people who are letting their brains get 
poisoned by Fox mm-hmm. News. They're going to need a lot of exposure to the truth and a ton of pressure before they even choose to acknowledge America's racism problem, let alone take ownership of that problem. Can I tell you, too, something that has, has really been sticking with me um, uh, over the last week since we recorded our last episode and as I continue to kind of go down this this road of educating myself more about um, systemic racism in America and, and white supremacy, something that continues to shock me is our lack of education about our very, very recent history. Peter and I were sitting on the couch the other night talking about the fact that our parents were born when the South was segregated. My grandmother grew up in the Jim Crow South and never talks about it. the only talk. The only thing I ever hear about her childhood that has to do with race is her being a white savior in her stories by going over and playing with the little black girl on the other side of the railroad tracks. I mean, that's interesting because that's very, it's a direct parallel to what you were saying last week. You had a black best friend, which felt like plenty. Felt like enough. She had yeah. she had a black girl she played with, so she's like, I can't be racist. I'm I'm doing my part, you know. Exactly, exactly. You know, I, I saw a graphic the other day that the first black student to have completed a K through twelve in a um a, in a desegregated school system turned sixty five this year. Sixty five. Wow, that is so recent. Yeah, and we talk about like it was ancient past, and it was four hundred years of that before. So to the and I know that that everyone knows this. This is not new information to most people, but it's just the the perspective of history that I was taught. It it was like this happened so long ago. Here are the the very basic cliff notes that your fragile white brain can handle, um, and that's all over and past. And it was so long ago we don't really have to examine it. And it was, I mean more recent than World War II, and we studied World War II like every year in school. Yeah, so did we. Probably because it's more fun to talk about, you know, what we can point out as another country's problem that we joined a war to help fix as opposed to looking at our own problems. And it's a war we fucking ended up on top on. Yeah, white Americans want to feel like heroes and not villains. Yes. Before we get away from talking to family about racism and white supremacy, I wanted to get your opinion because I keep saying we have to have these conversations over and over and it's going to be uncomfortable and we're going to have to make sacrifices But I need to acknowledge that the cost is going to be different for every individual. Like I, the sacrifices I have to make might not be as great as the sacrifices another white person has to make. And that just came to my attention as I was chatting with a friend about these conversations and exactly what it is she had to lose. So her family is all cops. And for a bunch of racist, Trumpy, Fox viewing reasons... (laughs) They felt that they were being attacked and uh, threatened. Th- threatened, you say? Yes, threatened was the word. So my friend and her sister started a fundraiser to support the Black Lives Matter movement on Facebook or whatever, and members of her family saw this fundraiser and felt that it was a personal attack on them because they believe their lives are being threatened by members of Black Lives Matter. Uh, so there's there's a bunch of uh, different family members involved, and so she spent a few days having conversations and trying to offer some perspective and, and get some understanding, but it has been tough. And, Where do these people live? Uh, they're in the Northeast. Oh, okay. Uh, a part of the country that I normally uh, associate with liberalism, but I know that's a very broad brush. <laughs> yeah, gotta There's tell so ya, much conservative shit that happens out there. I am from upstate New York, and upstate New York is one of the most racist places you can imagine. New York gets a, gets a pass because New York City is so liberal, but New York City is mm-hmm. only a tiny part of New York State. Yep. That's how I feel about Chicago. It's like this like liberal bastion, but then you get into like rural Illinois and it feels like, I mean, you may as well be in Nebraska. <laughs> Yikes. Anyway. Um... <laughs> <laughs> how dare you even bring up Nebraska? He just says, yikes. <laughs> Nebraska's your Florida. <laughs> <laughs> no, Wisconsin is my Florida. Um <laughs> 
and we're going to get to that in the journal in about a year. I'll explain exactly why I loathe Wisconsin. Um, so I'm giving all this information on their family story to say that this Trump faction of the family basically presented an ultimatum of uh, get rid of this fundraiser or you have decided to blow up our family and you are no longer a part of it. So when I was talking to her about it, my first inclination was to just say, like, fuck your family. But I have to respect the fact that it's easy for me to say that because it's not my family to lose. And I just really wanted to know what you think, because I, I know it was a different circumstance, but you had to stand up to your family at the cost of your family. And um, I thought maybe you could speak on this. So there there's so much to unpack here. First of all, like the the fact that these like like Trump supporters are so quick to call a liberal snowflakes. And then as soon as you say that you're taking a stand, that you're raising funds for a, an organization that they don't see eye to eye with, they're going to fucking disown you as a family member is outrageous behavior. Outrageous. Um, I think that there are some serious differences between what happened with my family and in this because these are white people standing up to white family members about black lives what i the conversation i had with my family was i cannot live my life in an authentic way mm-hmm. under your roof because you won't allow me to that being said like the, the differences aside I, I i can absolutely um empathize with these people because having to having your family say change something that you don't believe in or you no longer get this relationship with the family is abuse and coercion. It is Mm -hmm. them using their own belief system to hammer you into submission. And in my mind, this is an important stand where you say your racism does not get to, does not get to control my ability to take a stand. Your inability to see where I'm coming from doesn't, doesn't get to dictate my actions. I am an adult. I have my own opinions. I have my own beliefs and I'm going to stand firmly in those. If you completely capitulate to these people, uh, and you cower and say like Christmas this year is more important to me than black lives matter. Then well, there you've got your choice, but I'm telling you that if you take a stand against your family and it is political, you have a much better chance of in some, in some way recouping that relationship. It may never be the same again. And it's not going to be if you're already having these conversations that you now know that you feel completely different. But right. if, it's already I think one one event, one fundraiser is not going to it's not going to stop here from these kind of people. So where is the line and how much of yourself and of your values you're going to have to sacrifice to maintain these relationships? Right. And so it, it, to me, it's like my my gut reaction in this is that. You may not have Christmas together this year. You might not sell, you, you might not get a call on your birthday uh, over the coming months. But because this is your belief system that you're standing firm in, eventually they will have to make a decision. So Dan Savage says it all the time. He talks a lot when he's talking about people that are having a hard time coming out with conservative families uh, or religious families, I should say. This is a... Um, it's an area that I don't always agree with him on uh, because every situation is nuanced but one thing that he does say over and over again and i think that he's right is that your biggest bargaining chip is your presence in these people's lives so if they're gonna say you either cancel this fundraiser or you don't come around here anymore then you don't come around there anymore you you say okay that's your choice my choice is gonna do is gonna be to to, to stand up for something i believe in mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, it might take a while. It might take a year. You might not get a call on your birthday, but nine times out of 10, eventually those people are going to say, you're my family 
and we don't agree on this, but it's more worthwhile to to have some sort of relationship than no relationship. So so come back. Worth remembering, you say nine out of ten times they'll come around. I don't I don't agree with that stat. I think it is a really good possibility. They may not, and that may be a permanent sever, and that's something we have to consider. Like these are the sacrifices we're talking about. You said in the last episode, it's not gonna be easy, it's gonna be messy, it's gonna be uncomfortable. And this is the specifics of what we mean, and it's just fucking hard. I have a lot of empathy for your friend right now because it is a um, it is a really hard thing to imagine having a family say, you're, you're dead to us if you keep this up. If you keep up something that seems so basic and so universal in many of our circles right now, it is far from universal. But there's so many, you know, like uh, we talk so many times about the echo chamber of social media and the it feels like base level that you would try to raise some money if you have the opportunity to do that for, for this cause using social media um, and having a family say, this is the most hurtful thing you could possibly do. You're no daughter of mine. That is, that's some hateful shit. And I really feel for your, your friend and going back to the fact that this is all going to be messy. Their response to this might be imperfect, but uh, I think at the end of the day, they need to concentrate on making a decision that they will be proud to stand by six months or six years from now. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good way to frame it. I am sending your friend a lot of strength. I hope that they are able to navigate that. And I'm sure these people are not alone in their, um, and their struggle. I think a lot of families are having really hard conversations right now for the first time. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, Sometimes it's easier not having a close relationship with your conservative parents. <laughs> that's what I said when we were I, talking. I was like, I'm from a family that's been torn apart. Trust me, it's fine. I was like, I don't care anymore. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's tough to give advice in those situations because it's almost like um so as as a gay man, it's you're gay. So it's oh, shut up. Prove it. Fuck off. It's almost like uh, when, as a gay man, you or probably as a woman, when you have a girlfriend and you don't really like their boyfriend, um, and you they're having a low point with the boyfriend or partner or whatever, and you have the opportunity to encourage them one way. You can say like, <laughs> like you should probably break up with this person, but then DTMFA to steal some yeah. more Dan Savageisms. That's dump yeah. the motherfucker already. <laughs> and then. But then you know that they're probably going to get back with this person, and then you're the friend who badmouthed them in the first place. So yep. it's a situation as a friend, like, yes, I hear your family. They are your family. Your mom's a racist bigot. But at the end of this, are you <laughs> going to remember that she's a racist bigot, or are you going to remember that I called her one? Hmm. That's a tough position to be <sighs> in as a friend. I n- not it's... not saying that your friend is, would do that to you, but it's it's tough to be like your family is fucking up right now. And, uh, but cause you're not in the middle of it. Like you can't, you can't tell them what to do. You don't know all the nuance of it. All you can do is say as a non-involved third party, this is what I think sounds like the right thing. I should also say that my friend has sought help from a social worker, uh, who has suggested that her family is reacting from a place of fear and is, um, trying to help my friends find a path to communication accordingly. Wow. I think it's really smart to seek professional help if you can. That is honestly calling in advice from someone who deals with things like this professionally. Uh, right. Who's is... a, I'm happy to help, but like, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> You're not an idiot. It is. There's nothing more. There's nothing more precious in times of turmoil than to have just like a good sounding board of a friend who will give their, their honest opinion and their honest take on a situation that is very valuable. So I'm sure they're really glad to have you to, to talk to. So I do want to get into the journal this week because it's been a little too long since I touched it. Um, I don't like that kind of language out of you. 
Fair, fair. Gross. Heard it when it came out of my mouth. No, it's um, been too long since I've touched it, baby. <laughs> gross. Stop it. <laughs> um, but before we do that, we have one item of business. Gayest moment of the week, Michael. Go. Oh, yeah. It's been a moment. I, I thank you for bringing that back. Um, my gayest moment. Did you allow time for the theme song to play? Oh, no. I apologize. Hold on. <laughs> gay, 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 gay. There we go. There we go. Um, this week, I went to my very first uh, protest in San Diego. Very good. It was led by a gay black man who he's like, I'm not an activist. I'm not a public speaker. I am just a gay black man who had an opportunity to do something. And it was awesome. There were probably 4,000 people there. And this was just something he like did almost alone um and wow. he organized some uh songs and speeches from queer black people in the community just sharing their experiences and it you know we we marched to the pride flag in hillcrest the gay area of san diego and it just uh reinvigorated my appreciation for the black and brown queer community that started the fight that has led to me having the rights I have. Yeah. I think that's always an important reminder during pride month when so many things become like just rainbow wash and corporate and, and, or, uh, turn into a bunch of like ripped white boys dancing on floats, uh, to remember that this entire movement was started by a black transgender woman who, was at her favorite gay bar, which is an incredibly inclusive place. And we don't know officially who that woman was. A lot of people will attribute it to uh, Marsha P. Johnson, but she says this. I winded up being at Stonewall that night. I, I was uptown. I didn't get downtown until about 2 o'clock, because when I got downtown, the place was already on fire, and it was a raid already. The riots had already started, and they said the police went in there and set the place on fire. But whether or not she threw the first brick, she was leading the movement. Um, there's a really good documentary on Netflix, The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. I think it was 2017? I don't know. I've never seen it. What? I don't know what to tell you. I've never seen it. Okay, you need to put that on the top of your list right now. Darling, I want my gay rights now. I think it's about time the gay brothers got their rights. And especially the women. Uh, so, Cam, have you also a gayest moment? Have I? Have you? I have. Uh, it's been a minute since our regular scheduled programming. Uh, I'm going to throw it back a couple weeks. Uh, you and I both watched something that has stuck with me so much, it counts over two weeks as my gayest moments, I think. Um, and that would be Dan Savage's film festival dedicated to uh, homemade porn called Hump. I want to get a Dan Savage count on this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's omnipresent this week. Um, so Hump is a yearly film festival. This is their 19th or 20th year, I think. Um, and normally it is uh, screened in like art house movie theaters across the country. It's a traveling film festival. They do like one where they one main festival where they award all the prizes and then they they travel it around to different cities. Um, this year they got permission from all the artists to stream it. Um, normally, like it's uh, it's different because this is not porn that you can just like it's not made to be like consumed on like Pornhub. It's an opportunity for them to to be porn stars in a little in a small universe without having to you know risk their careers and yes, social lives a, exactly a small sex positive universe so it was very big of all these people to agree to let their um let their work be streamed like this and so anyway uh quarantine film festival and it was fascinating and interesting and this is not by the way, porn that you like sit down and beat off to. This is like interesting, thought provoking, no longer than five minutes uh, per film. 
um and also some is, is just downright raunchy some is funny it's it is uh, everything yeah. you can imagine yes they have different categories for like uh for best comedy for best kink for best overall like they're they, it's it's like a like any kind of film festival there's different awards for different kinds of art so it was fascinating it was educating mm-hmm. there's one film that that shook me to my core it's actually the the final film in the festival um and we've been referring to it as butt pancake because <laughs> I, I that doesn't even do it justice. It just sounds like a flat ass and that's not what it is. Honestly, I've been bringing this up to Mike like almost on a daily basis since we watched this film because it is so shocking visceral? to me uh, what they did. But yeah, visceral. It was a, it was a kink video and it featured a lesbian couple and a gay male couple and um, the gay couple in their apartment um start they're they're just in aprons with nothing on underneath and they're making um they're making breakfast making brunch and they mix up pancake batter one of the gay men proceeds to fill a caulk gun with say that again c-a-u-l-k caulk gun i hear that to me it's a cock gun Uh (laughs) uh-huh it's a different thing altogether uh he fills (laughs) up a caulk gun with uh with uh pancake batter and inserts it into his partner and fills him up with batter (laughs) fills them right on up. They get on their bikes, still wearing just aprons. They ride over to the lesbian couple's house where the lesbians have a griddle heating on the stove. The guy hops up on the counter with batter dripping down his leg sits and expels batter onto the griddle and makes a fucking pancake. And then, Mike, what happens? I can't even bring myself to say it. I'm sure listeners at this point can can gather that uh, the lesbian couple, as patrons of this butt pancake restaurant, they eat <laughs> the butt pancake. Oh, oh my God. I, I want to make it very clear that that batter came out bright white. That guy was clean as a whistle. <laughs> yes, I want a masterclass on his anal hygiene because whatever he's doing, we all need to do. I, I'm pretty sure it was like douche and emodium, like porn star style. There could like, it was just like a very, a very clean surface. But you guys, it was- Better fucking be someone ate it. It was so foul to watch for me. It was so not my thing. No. But it was like, it was in the, it was submitted in the best kink category. Oh, I got off to that like six times last week. You stop it. <laughs> Watching batter come out of a butthole is something that I don't think I'm ever going to get over um it was far and away the gayest moment of my week and gayest moment of my month probably so there you go um is hump still streaming by the way or is it over now no it's not but i would definitely recommend it for everyone for next year not all of the uh submissions are as intense as that one and uh, i do think it offers a really good um perspective on porn in general since most people you know only watch what they watch and i think it's a it's a pretty darn cool thing i'm a little bit disappointed that people can't go and watch the butt pancake thing themselves but you know i can maybe we can uh at our eventual live shows we can recreate it for everyone so they can see what we had to or what what we got to witness that's fine but i am absolutely the one with the cock gun you get to be batter boy great and then we can feed it to someone in the audience a lucky audience member oh yes good sell come be the lucky audience member who gets to eat one of our butt pancakes eat one of our butt pancakes (laughs) (laughs) so fucking foul um on that note can we please 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 get into the journal done with butt batter then i just so desperately want to change the subject (laughs) yeah let's do it so it has been a hot minute since we've gotten in that journal it has been a minute. We alluded to the fact last week that we scrapped a couple episodes in which we had uh, we talked about some of this uh, 
December 2014th shit. And honestly, it's not that interesting. So why don't you just give us the highlights and we'll move right on, huh? No, I got to tell you, it was real. I mean, it was a slog just talking about them, but we've done this before. <laughs> when the journal sucks, we skip it. Um, so here's the here's the hard and fast uh, highlights. It was Christmas. Hard, I did fast. a lot of rehearsing. I complained a lot. Of, Harder, faster. Uh, Christmas, a lot of complaining about it. I complained a lot. Um, <laughs> and then I was really stressed about it, but then Christmas was actually really fine. It was kind of fun on the ship. It was shocking. Who knew? Um, also, I recorded my friend's Christmas song, and it was the shittiest version of that song I ever did. I wore a wig and sang to a karaoke track. Uh, lastly, that guy, Spider-Man, that I was quote-unquote dating. You're boinking. We were boinking, yes. He came, I'm going to slow down because it's going to be too hard to edit the things I just said. Um, he, he came at me out of nowhere and called me an egotistical shit. I don't know why he said it, but I agreed with him and that was it. <laughs> oh, that was really well put. Um, I will also say that um, I I was interested most in the fact that uh, you put in so much work for these Christmas shows and they actually ended up going pretty well. And then you had a, a really nice holiday, even though you said probably 14 times, can't wait for Christmas to be over. I think you said that maybe every journal entry uh, I did. of the last two weeks. I set my bar low and then I was pleasantly surprised when Christmas was not terrible. Oh, Mike, this just made me realize I, I am like a week or 10 days behind in my journal that you gave me and I'm usually much better at it than this and now I'm fucking stressed. Should we stop so I can catch up with my journal? <laughs> that we cannot do because we both have things to do today, but <laughs> I will offer some advice because that happens to me sometimes. It's no big deal. Check your emails, check your texts, look at your calendar and those can be easy guideposts for what you did that day see what workout you did and that will that will trigger the memory of that day i would recommend starting starting from today and working backwards as opposed to trying to remember the day you stopped oh no shit yeah okay way easier for me because it's easier to remember yesterday than it is to remember last week and it will be um exponentially easier to keep to move backwards that way all right, that's some really sound advice. I very much appreciate you. I would also like to say that I'm not mad that we skipped an awkward Christmas in June episode that no yeah. one asked for. No, it was a, yeah, a very strange Christmas episode in the middle of two pandemics in the middle of June. And I'm just like, why? Why are we doing that to ourselves and to our listeners? So we shan't. I really like that you've started saying two pandemics um, that like you're just looking at it. Oh, that's not me. It, oh, really? Oh. I haven't seen other people talk about that oh, yeah. in that language before. I don't know who specifically. I've heard it from a few sources and I can't reference even one, but I've heard people uh, very smartly say we are in the middle of two pandemics. It's great. I mean, it's not great, but the, the rhetoric is a good. Is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's good language around it. I like, uh, I like viewing it that way. I'm going to start saying that myself. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. So December 26th, 2014, we're back at it. You are in... L- Mm, labadee, labadre, labadoo. Labadee. You got it in the first in the first try, but oh, I appreciated okay. the second few tries. They were fun. Okay. Well, you're in Haiti. Um, full day off. Slept late. Went on roller coaster with the twos. Laid by the beach with labadoozy. <laughs> labadoozy. <laughs> what's a what's a labadoozy? What's a labadoozy? <laughs> <laughs> it's um just a highly alcoholic drink like a like a fruit punchy drink that they make in labadies they called it a labadoozy also i've talked about that roller coaster before it was that one that's like fully a death trap oh shit yeah it's an individual um an individual cart for just one person and you have you hold the handbrakes yourself and you you decide how fast or slow you go and it is Less secure than your average roller coaster. That is going to be a no for me, baby. Absolutely not. Yikes. Okay, so on the 27th, apparently you survived because you're <laughs> at sea. You spent most of the day doing Imagine. It's frustrating to still be rehearsing. Um, oh, is this a new show? Uh, we had an alternative like opening number to use for something that... Uh- 
It just ended up being more rehearsal and I was already over it. We got on the ship at Halloween and now it's almost New Year's and we are still rehearsing things. It just feels relentless. It must be frustrating to still be rehearsing. It's like months into this contract. Why are we still spending our days learning new shit? Swing notes, voice captain reports, and lots of milk duds? Question mark? Why? Because they're yummy and fun. I love that I included that in the journal. I loved milk duds. And I do not have a vegan replacement. So if anyone has any vegan milk duds, please let me know because I do miss them. Also, you know what? My crowns probably can't handle it at this point. I was eating milk duds back when I had better dental health. (laughs) You'd suck the crown right off those teeth. Yeah, now in my my 30s, um, it's it's quickly deteriorating. God, you are quickly. You're just (laughs) shriveling up into into Mm -hmm. an old man with soft teeth. (laughs) Okay, two stories. One, when I was a little kid, um, I saw Weibo's dentures on her bedside table, and I only new dentures as like a play thing as like a toy object so i put weebo's dentures in my mouth um and like walked around with them oh my god that's so fucking gross i know Uh, uh. i know disgusting (laughs) i was like woo! it was like a fun toy um and then also i remember being aghast because my mom explained to me and then weebo confirmed that when she was like 40 or maybe early 50s something far too young she had all of her teeth removed and put dentures in and she was like it's just easier and i was like oh my god why would you do that and now i'm like Meh, i get it yeah. <laughs> okay first of all no that's like <laughs> a very old-fashioned thing to do i think one of my grandparents did that as well just was like uh just didn't have really good teeth growing up so just go ahead and get the the full set you know that's a that's kind of a i feel like that's a very 70s thing to do um yeah so I mean, you can, I don't think that I, I really don't think that you should be getting dentures anytime soon. Please don't. No. Also, that's not like technology has changed. If you get your teeth removed, you can have implants put in. You wouldn't you wouldn't rely on dentures. Yeah. Although you could give a really beautiful gummy blowjob. I was going to say, and I'm glad you did. Now, if, <laughs> <laughs> if you had dentures, of course, you'd take them out to give a blowjob. Right. But then you, but then it's like awkward because you're in the middle of sex. That means you're also going to be kissing with no teeth, which. <laughs> No, it's too much to comprehend. Absolutely not. You would have to like... But why would you have teeth in the way if you don't need them for a blowjob? Spit, so spit your teeth into your hand. Okay. Give that blowjob. And then you slip them back in for the kissing because no one, no one is making out what... No one wants a gummy French kiss. Can you imagine? <laughs> that is so gross. But you... Okay. <laughs> Lots of problems here. You can't... You can't... Dentures don't work like that. You can't just grab them out and then slip them back in without any adhesive. You're right. You're right. I don't know. This is tough. Um, What would it be like to make out with someone with no teeth? Because you're not using your teeth, but like it does structure your face. Here is what I would suggest happening. If you're going to do the like gummy blowjob, it's just a blowjob. It's not sex. It's not making out. It's just oral. That person gets off. Then you go and glue your dentures back in. If you're doing like the passionate, we're actually going to put our faces mouth to mouth. As You know, some people might call that kissing. <laughs> if we're doing mouth to mouth touching, then I think that uh, you just keep them in and, and let it let it be normal, normal sex. But, you know, occasionally like, oh, it's it's bedtime. My dentures are soaking. Go ahead and slob my knob. <sighs> slob my knob. Like corn, corn on, on the cob. How's Check in with me. me. What's that song? Slob on my knob by 3-6 Mafia. I don't know this. Ugh. Sweet name, though. Anyway, December. Anyway, could I sound more dismissive? Um, could you sound more like Chandler Bing? Could I be more Bing like? December 28th, you're in Charlotte, St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands. Yes, those islands have never known love's kiss. It's a really good one. I should do stand up. Mm-hmm, you definitely should. Why do we call them the Virgin Islands? I've never been fucked more in my life <laughs> than I was there. 
<laughs> Ladies, am I right? Oh, what? I know that to be true of you. <laughs> Have you been to the Virgin uh, Islands? Stuck my dick right in that island. It's not a virgin. Ha ha ha. Oh um, boy. I... <laughs> now I'm picturing sandy, sandy dick. Have you ever gotten sand in your dick? And can that happen? Sand in my dick. Uh, no, we're not going to talk about that anymore, though, because it sounds very abrasive. Okay, we won't talk about that, but I do want to talk about beach sex. Have you ever had it? Um, Not more than just like a handy, I don't think. Oh, me either. I don't... Maybe it's easier for hetero couples, but um, beach sex just seems challenging and uncomfortable. I, like, uh, I don't think it's really conducive. I don't think it's nice for anyone unless you have a blanket and the sand is not blowing. Uh, because nobody wants any kind of grit, especially dry grit. Like it's bad enough thinking about jerking off with like a um, like an exfoliating face wash. Why would you do that? Who's thinking about that? Well, so I'm I'm thinking of like I said, let alone dry grit. Like wet grit would not be good, uh, but dry grit would be so much worse. Yeah, I, that's uh, going to be something we don't recommend here at yep. my best friend's journal. Yep. I, I think beach sex is more of a porny thing or more of like a romance novel thing. It's very impractical. I've got plenty of friends who've had beach sex. I just don't really get, I guess the allure is just like public. But they did it on blankets or towels without blowing sand is all I'm saying. You have to be very specific about that. I think park sex, if you want public sex, is probably easier to do than beach sex. Go land some grass. Probably is. Like Michaela and Christian that one time. Also, um, <laughs> we talked about it. We did. Uh, also, I watched or my first uh, introduction to park sex was when I was 16 years old visiting Italy and we turned a corner in a public park and watch uh, and saw a woman being just like outright finger banged while she made out with her boyfriend. His uh, hand was okay. <laughs> uh, her shorts and they were going at it. We were like, wow, he is inside her right now. And the sun is a shining. It was a beautiful Italian day. It was very, very Italian. I mean, manja manja mozzarella. Ooh, they were going at it anyway. Uh, so you're in the U.S. Virgin Islands, swing tech run, sound problems as usual, but better for show. You had two decent shows. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? Got Hooters and Barefoot Buddha Chai. You went to a restaurant. I used to love wings. Like, wings were my jam, and I bet I got a lot of wings. I bet you did. Hooters is trash we all know that restaurants are trash the last time i was at hooters we used to like to go on half days in high school that was our favorite thing we would uh every half day me and my friends would go to hooters which ironically was almost all gay young gay men and women and we would go to hooters and order buffalo chicken and just that was our little thing like why why did we do that literally no idea i mean power to those women who are just trying to earn a living but i'm looking at their website right now it was founded by six white men who are, quote, six businessmen with absolutely no previous restaurant experience who got together and decided to open a place they couldn't get kicked out of. Gross. It is awful. And also, if you have a birthday there, they make you get on the table and uh, the waitresses spank you with a plate, if I remember correctly. And so we would always tell them that it was one of our birthdays. So someone had to get up and these poor Ugh. women who are just working for tips in the middle of a weekday at Hooters had to spank a high schooler when seeing happy birthday. Gross. Yeah, it is gross. <sighs> So I'm sorry that you went to Hooters. Um, you're already talking next contracts, maybe Explorer. Wow. So you wanted to get on another boat, apparently. Uh, yeah, that happens a lot when I'm already on a ship. I'm like, well, it'd be easy enough just to like, instead of starting life again somewhere on land, just like keep this baby going and save some money. Spoiler alert, did not do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, on the 29th, you're in St. Croix. 
I have two friends who have family homes on St. Croix. I would really like to go. I hear good things. You have friends with family homes in St. Croix? One of my good friends from Chicago and then one of my best friends from back home, her in-laws have a home there. Well, if they need you and I to come uh, house sit. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll make sure they know that. <laughs> if you need anyone to watch your vacation home while you're not there, I will take one for the team and fly to St. Croix. Um, You got off with... Uh, Russian dancer, sorry. It truly wasn't intentional when I was on these cruise ships that I wrote got off so often. I do. Oh, every time you write those words, I have to look twice. Um, so you walked on the beach and spent day drinking, eating, and swimming in beautiful beach near Coconut Shack with all of your ta- or with all of your cast, and it was a great day! Exclamation point. Honestly, sounds dreamy. It was so fun. I felt so good, and it was just like day drunk. You love it. You love it. I love it. We all love it. Day drunk on a beach uh, with nothing to do that night, like with no uh, responsibilities that night. There's nothing better. Also, Russian ballroom dancer. What a wonderful and strange little bird. He was definitely straight, but also wore tiny Speedos and styled my hair and was a dancer. And considering the general homophobia associated with Russia, uh, it was pretty cool that he did not mind blurring those lines. I think that probably has a lot to do with coming up in the ballroom dance world more than anything. Um, uh, like, well, also Eastern Europe, very much uh, speedos on men. I've seen, I've encountered so many Eastern European men in tiny speedos in my travels. Um, but also, uh, you know, this if he's a ballroom dancer, he probably grew up uh, like very comfortable with gay men, probably grew up wearing dance belts, lots of that kind of stuff. So he's like comfortable in his body and doesn't mind showing it off and doesn't want tan lines damn it he's still gonna have them they're just gonna be tiny just tiny december 30th uh saint kitts but didn't get off you did some performance reviews for people in your cast laundry and cleaning good summer breezed finished teaching imagine fucking finally productive day a year went by so quickly oh my god we're almost to the end of this year again I oh wow love 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 turning this journal over it feels like we make such progress it is so satisfying to to start the journal from the beginning again, I gotta tell ya. Although, Kick is learning this now, you'll learn this eventually, and I'm getting close. I am toward the bottom of my second five-year journal at this point, and as you get to the bottom, that last year is so literally painful to write in because it's just writing on the bottom of a book, and it's just uh-huh. so hard to squeeze it in. It's <laughs> awful. Yep. Also, I hate writing at the end of a book, like the end of a sketch uh, pad or like a notebook. I, oh. I hate it because it's like the balance is off mm-hmm. in the binding. Yep. It's just, it ain't great. Okay, so December 31st, final day of 2014, Seasons Tech Run and show, Rousseau Dominica. Oh, pretty. Good shows, but um, forgot to film with a frowny face. Did you ask him to film the show for you? Oh, so the bomb couple is only in one show and we have three. So yeah, he would, they would always, they were so freaking sweet. They had the night off many times. They had a cush position and they would always come and sit front row and watch us in every show. They did not have to do that. It was adorable. I love that. Oh, that's so nice. Anyway, yeah, he had off, so he would, um, I asked to film for like reels and stuff. Oh, nice. Um, you had Chinese food in port, fun night in Centrum, and pool deck, good energy. Um, well, that's a nice way to ring or to ring in 2015. I'm assuming they would probably throw like a big party on the on the ship. Uh, yeah, just giant parties everywhere, and somehow we escaped helping. Normally, like the cast would be involved in entertaining on these things, but I'm pretty sure we all just got fucking wasted and had a good time. That's fucking fabulous. I love that for you. Thanks. Um, I really think that we should end there because then we can start fresh t- January 1st, 2015 next episode, and it'll be so fun. I'm fine with that. We talked about um, gummy blowjobs. What more What more do the people want from us? I don't know, but I promise you they'll tell us. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, let's start next episode with January 1st, 2015. Oh, also... 2015 is the year um, my drama starts, my like, my broken family begins. Um, (laughs) So look forward to that.
All right, Mikey. Uh, so that wraps it up for this week. If people want more of my best friend's journal, where can they find us? You can find us on all social media, most often on Instagram at MBFJ podcast and lots of information and links related to us and things we think are important are in our link tree in our bio. You can find us at mybestfriendsjournal.com. You can email us at mybestfriendsjournal at gmail.com. As always, please make sure to rate and review on iTunes if you've yet to do so. Uh, those reviews mean the world to us and they are so helpful in spreading the MBFJ message. And what is our message? cam this week it was mainly about butt pancakes and gummy blowjobs but uh you know it changes week to week (laughs) (laughs) all right oh you heard it here first (laughs) probably not well maybe i don't know who knows man it's a crazy world (laughs) (laughs) all right mikey until next time always remember you want to come over for brunch i'm making pancakes Uh, uh, (laughs) um no Okay. It's okay. It's okay. Just speak. <laughs> Love it when you give yourself pep talks. Um. <laughs> God, you're cute. God, God, just just get after it. You're so smart and so funny.